Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Yeah. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. There is a new podcast out for black women and all those who love and care for us. We flesh in this here space, black women be this limited six part series hosted by Lisa Anderson of the Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle and artist Amakayla Gaston explores the fullness of black women's humanity with topics ranging from creation to singing to managing a major business. We Flesh includes incredible interviews with amazing black women, such as former Black Panther Party leader Erica Huggins, artist Michelle Browder, and business leader and coach Susan Callender. New episodes are released on Mondays. Here we be in conversation and contemplation. Here we just be together. Subscribe to We Flesh wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this week's host is Ryan. We are proud to present to you two fantastic guests. Our first guest is actor Kyla Pratt. You know her best as playing the animated character Penny Proud, and she is back in season two of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. She reprises her role, and this is a long-anticipated revival of the groundbreaking animated series The Proud Family, which aired many, many years ago. So we're excited to see it come back, and of course, seeing a second season that is actually currently right now streaming on Disney+. In our second segment, we interview comedian Vera Daz. His latest project is Landing, which is actually his fourth Netflix special. It's a show about freedom, foolishness, the West, the East, and what it means to be a citizen of one nation in a global world. It's a show that applies to every citizen in every country across the globe. Landing just wrapped a critically acclaimed sold-out run at the 2022 Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and with New York Times gushing no artist embodies the globalization of stand-up like Vera Daz, we're excited to talk to him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with actor Kyla Pratt and comedian Vera Daz. Kyla, thank you so much for talking with Black Girl Nerds again. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Thanks for having me. Listen, I feel like every time, one of the coolest things about your characters, whether it's like Dina Insecure, you know, you have Maya and Dr. Doolittle, um, Brandy, all of your characters, I feel like are a how-to on getting the right support system, right? Like squad goals. (laughs) Is that something that you intentionally do or is that something that just kind of happens? No, I feel like that's just something that kind of happens. I don't know. Maybe I just give that vibe. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. I never like, and no one ever broke it down to me like that. I didn't realize that I was doing that, but I guess that's what I do. 
Well, yeah, you do it so well. I just think it's so cool because the characters are always fun and quirky and they're accepted by the people around them. Like they don't have this yes squad around them that I think it makes so cool. You know, especially for young women to kind of see that, you know, you don't, you can be yourself and you can have those people that put you in check too. Which oh, I absolutely. Love. absolutely. That is my life. Like I love, I'm that person. I am that person. I love you and I will not judge you, but I'll be like, hold on, wait a minute. Hold <laughs> on, wait a minute. And I, and I need that done for me sometimes. That's those are the type of people you want to have around you. You want to be able to be yourself and just enjoy life. Like nobody wants to sit there. And I, I know I sit, I'll sit at a table a couple of times and it'd be like gorgeous, gorgeous women sitting at the table and then most mm. of the time they're looking at me crazy because i don't know how to shut up or i'm standing up and i'm doing something crazy and i was like what's wrong with y'all like i like i like <laughs> this me being myself is going to be yeah. huge okay <laughs> yeah well that is cool and i love that that you put that in your characters because it makes us feel like we're not by ourselves right like we yeah. could all be quirky and different and somebody else gets it like somebody out there gets it Somebody gets it. I make all kinds of situations awkward. Yeah, I can pose it for a minute and be chill. But then as soon as like somebody says cut or as soon as I'm constantly talking, I'm just I just I want to be myself at all times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of somebody that's constantly talking, right, we got to talk about Penny. Yes. I was so excited. OK, I didn't watch season one yet. I've seen it now. And I was just like binge watching it like I was a big kid. Like remember back in like 2005 watching everything. It was so, it was just so much fun and so cool to see her 14 years old. What is it for Penny for you? Cause you could have said, yo, 2005, we done, it's a wrap. I'm not doing this again, but you came back season one. Now get ready to go into season two. What do you love about her? Oh, I, I've always loved Penny Proud. I feel like uh, I started filming this for this character when I was 14 years old. I feel like there she's a part of me and I'm a part of her and um I think everyone who was a part of the show in the beginning and everyone who watched the show the first time around really felt like we had unfinished business like I really feel like we all felt no we should be hundreds of episodes in like we need more content like this on tv so the fact that it was revived um and I knew that Bruce Smith and Ralph Farquhar would be a part um I knew the essence of the original show would be there and I knew that, you know, with their amazing leadership, that it would be amazing. And now we're headed into season two, season two of being louder and prouder. And I literally every year, I'm like, there's no way we can get louder and prouder. And we do every <laughs> single time. Every time. It is so, what do you think sticks with people? Because it's so, I just, I really was sitting there like nostalgic, like, oh, we got the gross sisters and no sticky left. <laughs> like you're sitting here talking to the screen, like these are animated characters. And it feels so much a part of your family and something that you missed out on. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's back. And you got like Beyonce dressing up as a proud family, like her you family know. dressed up. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you think is sticking with people? Like, what do you think it is? Like, what's the secret sauce? I just feel like this show is relatable. We've always been unapologetically us. And mm. when people can watch things, it's, it's easy to connect to that type of energy. You know, we've always been a show that never shied away from certain topics that other shows would be would consider taboo. You know, we never just were doing anything on the surface. There was always a deeper meaning. And even watching the shows back in the day and having episodes about, you know, of somebody telling Penny she can't play football. And she's like, what? Girls can do anything. And seeing her make that happen. Or episodes where, you know, um, uh, we, we talk about Kwanzaa, which was not something that was completely ce celebrated um, on television at that time. Um, right. And then now, you know, we've 
updated everything and made it so, you know, a different generation, my kids generation are now able to watch and understand when we're talking about social media, we're talking about influencers, we're talking about self-worth and interracial dating and protest mm -hmm. and um, just uh, inter inter intergenerational conflicts. Like we're talking about any and everything. And me personally, I feel like if you don't have a sugar mama like sugar mama, you want a sugar mama like sugar mama. Like yeah, there's someone yeah. in the family that you're like, you either connect with because they're just like you or there's someone you wish you had someone just like that. Or like the daddy daughter dynamic of him like, no, you can't get old. Like making fun of that and, and letting young girls see like, oh no, other dads are crazy too, not just mine. You know, like- I Yeah, just, absolutely, yeah. There's so many different ways that people can connect to the show. And then we're teaching people things at the same time without it feeling like class. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of teaching, I thought was so cool. First of all, like Kiki Palmer in this, you guys are like fire. Animated characters though, and it's still fire on screen. Like we're watching this, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, you know, between uh, Penny and Maya. But, you know, I remember that first episode of, you know, Penny trying to, you know, change herself to fit in with Maya. And I'm just thinking about, you know, like all the little girls that are seeing that, you know, anybody, you know, age doesn't matter, race doesn't yes. matter. Anybody could watch this show. But if you think about those two young black women and just going through that and it's just like one is trying to be, you know, maybe a little bit more radical than the other one. You yeah. know, one is trying to one is trying to be a people pleaser. We all go through that, right? We all want everybody to like us. And I'm just curious. And the other one's judging too much. And the other right, exactly. Come together. And, and that's what I love about this show. Like, literally anybody can watch this. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, we wanted Penny to be grown. We wanted her to be in her 20s. We wanted this. We wanted that. And I'm like, no, but I love her being a teenager because mm -hmm. everyone can relate to being a teenager. Like everyone can relate. And sometimes as teenagers, we do different things that we yep. normally wouldn't do as we get older. Because we go, oh, no, I'm not doing that anymore. But no matter what, if you're going through it or if you haven't gone through it yet, it's giving you a little preview. But then also if you've been through it, it takes you back to that time that when you went through that similar thing and when you had that moment. Or if you haven't had that moment yet and you still want to people please and you still want to make sure everybody likes you. And then finally, you have to have that penny moment of like, hold on, like I'm doing everything in my power mm -hmm. to be nice. And some people just aren't going to like you. And it is what right. it is. And learning that lesson that it's okay. Because people pleasing, oh, honey, that's that's something I learned to stop doing a long time ago. Okay? Yeah. Oh, if yeah. You, oh, yeah. If you're watching this and you people please, they will never be happy. Just tell them to be out. <laughs> <laughs> they won't and I like and I just I love how that was so well played and you had like Shuggy with CeeLo yes. um, but you know I was I was wondering do you get to pick because you since you've been in the game for a minute do you kind of get to pick and kind of play with what you, what Penny talks about like her plot lines or is it all kind of already done for you no what's crazy is like anything that I'm a part of I always am so opinionated I'm always here like maybe we should do this or maybe we should do that but with the Proud family like I trust them so much mm -hmm. like there's nothing like they bring me stuff and I'm like, this is hilarious. This is exactly what needs to be talked about. So I haven't really bothered them too much. I'm just <laughs> like, I know that you guys are helping people who are watching this show, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Those messages are going to like sneak in for people. I can't wait to February 1st. We went people, to those messages we went are to amazing. Go ahead. <laughs> We went to the screening of it and a couple of my co-stars from my show, Call Me Cat, um, that's on Fox came and they were like, man, your cartoon is deep. It's really, t I just learned something in two episodes. Like I can't believe it. <laughs> they just address this, they just address that. And I'm like, oh no, we play no games here. Like you're going to oh, enjoy yeah. it and laugh, but we're going to teach you a little something at the same time. 
yeah you can't you can't stop watching it like you literally just you're like okay I'm not gonna watch this I mean, you know it's an animated show you're like no but you literally get sucked in about the lessons that you're gonna find um but you know I just appreciate the time Kyla I appreciate it it's no, so, it I, so good to talk to I you I appreciate you so much it's always good to talk to y'all and uh it's always great conversation so fun for me <laughs> so I'm excited see well we'll have you back for season three huh We'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We can stream it. Season two is streaming February 1st. Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Hey, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a good one. You too. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I wanna to encourage you to be a bold, step out of your comfort zone a little bit because I am joined by somebody who is not afraid to leave it on the stage and brings a whole new meaning to mic drop, okay? So I'm so excited to talk to him today. I'm talking about comedian, actor, Veer Dias. Veer, how you doing? I'm good. That is the best review I've received so far. If you could write for every newspaper in America, I'd appreciate it. Like, just can we do that? Can we hook that up? You know, I, I work on it, I work on it, I work on it. In the meantime, <laughs> let me tell people why I'm so inspired, why I'm so excited to talk to you. Because I feel like everybody has that moment, right? Where they're like, I've had it up to here. And you know, mm -hmm. just in the world period, it could be sexism, racism, inflation, right? Like you just, you're like, I've had it up to here. I can't take it anymore. Some, I need to get this off my chest. Somebody needs to hear my truth. I need to get this out in the world. So can we go back real quick to like 2021, correct me if I'm wrong, if I have the wrong time, I think it's been a couple of years since this. Um, mm -hmm. I come from two Indian, uh, from two Indias, you know, makes like you're yes. talking about, makes the headlines, you're in the Kennedy mm -hmm. Center, Center. how do you feel stepping on that stage? Like, you don't know, you know, you have your notes ready, none of this, you know, the, the everybody's opinions and stuff haven't happened yet. How do you feel just stepping on the stage? Well, I mean, I, I stepped on stage to make a uh, to make people laugh, which I did for about 90 minutes. And then I made a small YouTube video at the end of it. And uh, when I was done with the YouTube video and I put it up and it was one of many that I put up on my channel, it ended up creating uh, sort of a big conversation, which I don't think artists, you get to predict when you create a conversation or when you don't. And that particular mm -hmm. video seemed, seemed to touch a chord and it got a sea of love and a sea of outrage as well. And I think uh, neither one of those things was expected for me, the love or the outrage. Um, and to me, both of them were equally valid, but both equally unexpected. And then you go from you go from that, right? Like you said, you don't mm -hmm. know what reaction you're going to get as a comedian. I always I just find that in general, just brave. I think as a comedian, just stepping on the stage because you never know if somebody mm -hmm. if the joke is going to land, if it's not going to land right. You go from yeah. that stepping into landing. Is there a fear? Is there a nervousness from you? Or are you already like, okay, this is my truth. This is my truth. Let the cards fall where they're going to fall. Well, I think anytime you're ever at the center of a controversy or whatever, if you're a comedian, the one question you have to ask yourself is, okay, park aside whether this is deserved or not deserved. Perhaps many people think it's either one of those things. Uh, park aside whether you think it's fair, whether you don't think it's fair. And, and I'm sure equal amounts of people feel that. Is it funny? Is it an interesting story? That's what you have to work with, you know? And, and then you kind of look through senior comics and, and people you admire. Like if, you know, like I cannot wait to hear Chris Rock's five minutes about the Oscars, you know, for mm. instance. Uh, he has yet to do an interview about it. He has yet to talk about it. He's just like, when you want to hear me talk about it, it'll be in a comedy special and it'll be funny as hell. So I think that was the inspiration for Landing where I'm like, whether you love me or whether you hate me, I'm going to make both of you laugh. 
and I'm going to use drama to spread joy and make people laugh. And to me, that's how you control your power as an artist. And is that is that therapeutic, you think, in a sense, too, to be able to kind of just I, put it out there and see what happens? Listen, I'm not going to be the first comedian to claim he's healthy. That's nonsense. <laughs> There's not a single <laughs> happy comedian out there. So I'm not going to be like, yes, I'm healthy and my story means I'm healing. I think right. if I ever heal too much, I'll, I'll stop being funny. Uh, so no, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, I think therapy is therapeutic. Uh, right. And telling Joe, uh, you put the audience first. It's supposed to be therapeutic for you, not me. <laughs> well, listen, I got I got a little bit of that because I was just like, you know, just hearing you put because a lot of that stuff you're not expecting. But it's just that I think it's just the courage to be able to say it because you're like at some point or I feel like as an audience member, you're like, well, somebody had to say it. Or when you yeah. talk about, you know, the these different mediums. Right. And they're always saying, OK, we need diversity. We need inclusion. Right. We need somebody different. We need a different voice. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, this is what happens. Right. Like who better to talk about you know, uh, the culture of India or, you know, you can't just have in, I feel like you just don't have any random person stepping up on stage as a comedian talking about the intricacies, how they feel, you know, raised in Indian culture. I, I mean, look, I, I think normal people don't get up on stage because normal people are happy. Right? <laughs> Comedians are, uh, I've always said we're yeah. failed rock stars. We're ro uh, we wanted to be go. rock stars okay. and we just didn't have the talent. <laughs> uh, and, but we still wanted the from the crowd so right. uh, we just ended up uh, you know shitting on people which is what we did but I, I do think that there's you know like every culture that I go to and like God's been kind I get to tour the world uh, every culture that I go to has like a palatable version of, of what it means to be Indian so everybody knows five things because there's you know American TV has done these five things and Canadian right. TV has done these five things but you're missing out on a billion people and modern India and like a vibrant, amazing country that you're not hearing from. So I kind of like being the guy who gets to go abroad and and talk about my country. And uh, and by the way, talk about yours as well or, or wherever I'm at. You know, I, mm. I think that's something that's changed recently is Americans are, uh, are very open now to an outsider's perspective of somebody showing America back to them. Like if you look at a, a Trevor Noah, for instance, and what he was able to do as an outsider. I think it's cool, you know, that, that we're at this point in history. And I got to ask you, though, just uh, speaking of some of like the cool features, some of the interests of your performance, um, do you do any voice acting? Because you had some cool impressions going on here doing this whole uh, stand up. <laughs> no, I've just watched too much TV growing up. And, and, <laughs> and I'm a big like I'm a fan of comedians who do accents. And as mm -hmm. you know, who's to say whether it's appropriate or not? I just love different voices. And when you travel as much as I do, that's really all you're hearing, right? You, if you're in Edinburgh for a day and then you're in Cape Town for two days, mm -hmm. maybe you're not having that many lengthy conversations with people because there isn't enough time, but you are absorbing their voice. So the soundtrack to my life is these various different accents, you know? And I think it's so cool too. talk about a little bit. If you could talk a little bit about directing, because you directed the special as well, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love directing a special. I, I love directing in, in general because I, I do feel like a special is a piece of cinema, you know, and, and to compete, it has to be a, a piece of cinema. You know, comedians, we've waited for this moment a really long time where finally, you know, Martin Scorsese's box with the Irishman and my box with Landing and some big Bollywood movies box, which cost millions and millions of dollars, they're the same size box on Netflix. You know, mm -hmm. the exact same size title. So 
the only thing we're competing for is your attention. And uh, in order for me to get your attention, I, I have to make sure that I have dynamics, that there's surprises, that it's cinematic, that it looks beautiful. So I think a comedy special is very different from a comedy performance in that it has to be much more filmic and cinematic, you know? And, and you know, speaking of that cinematic touch, though, when you talk about failed rock stars now, I don't know, you could actually, you know, if the comedian stuff didn't work out, because you do have the stage, you set the stage right. Because I noticed that you added a little something to the stage with the Indian soil there. Can you talk a little bit about why that was important? Yeah, I mean, it, because, it, it you know, the theme of the special is what it means to be a global Indian and carry your country with you across the world. And so... You know, something that I like doing was uh, I took actual soil from India and I sprinkled it across the stage. And then I had to time my footwork. So every time I made fun of India, I was on Indian soil. And every time I made fun of America, I was on American soil. So it was a little bit like a ballet dance that I had to plan. But cinematically, I think it's a cool trick, you know? Yeah, because you, I mean, you could have just simply got up there, just had the mic and you go. So I just think it's I so know. interesting, so cool to have those little details that maybe people notice, maybe they don't notice. But, you know, it's something that will add a touch. I think so. And it's also humble as well, right? Like, I, I think we've all seen the comedians who have, like, flashing lights and lots of smoke and the big fancy set, etc. And I just kind of wanted to go in the opposite direction of all that and just keep it literally grounded. Um, I got to talk to you. I want to talk to you a little bit about one thing that I took away from landing uh, that was uh, so many hilarious moments um, in truth. But I love your take on social media. Yeah. I have never seen anybody relate like, oh, you said a well to be to like a hashtag, two birds to TikTok, um, them talk like two birds talking to TikTok. What um, do you what do you feel social media has social media added a lot to your performance? Is it something where you're like, OK, this is what's frustrating me today. I'm going to throw this line in or, or talk a little about that, because I just thought that was so interesting the way you threw it in. And it kind of stuck with me because I'm like, these animal comparisons are actually true to how we interact with each other in social media. I think so. You know, the, the one thing I say in the special is the only time animals give each other attention is when they are hungry, lonely or afraid. And that's the basis for all of social media. But I I think it's unhealthy, to be honest. Like, I can't remember a day where I've been on Twitter for two hours and felt better than when mm -hmm. I wasn't on Twitter. Um, and I think Ronnie Chang or somebody had a really good bit about how in the future we're going to treat social media like we treat cigarettes right now. You know, where it's, it's mm -hmm. going to be a bad yeah. habit that we have to monitor. So I just don't like it very much. I, I'm I'm thankfully not at the point where I'm letting the algorithm tell me what I should be writing, what I shouldn't be writing. Right. But I do think it's a bunch of really powerful people that aren't conscious of the fact that they're killing humanity. If if that's or not killing humanity, but killing what makes us humane, uh, you know. And I don't think it's an effective form to communicate. I mean, it's definitely a double-edged sword. I mean, it's taken over and there's no way to... It, sometimes it feels like there's no way to run from, from some I, of the I, comments and stuff. Yeah. My God. And the other day I was on, on Instagram and I watched five like reels of a guy who smashes his face into bread. That's it. They, all he does is take big wow. loaves of bread and smashes his face into them. And I could not stop watching. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? I'm 43. I'm educated. I'm qualified. I'm watching a dude smashing his face into bread and thinking that's aspirational. Uh, this is insane. I mean, but it's different though, right? I mean, it's that different pool that makes you kind of want to just, you get sucked into it. Like you said, I mean, it's a guy smashing his face into bread. Why are we watching this? But it's also something where it's like, so he really put this on social media for everybody to look at. Where it's like, you're, I think the you're one compelled thing that to I, keep looking at it. 
I think that the one thing that I love about social media, though, is that funny used to be kind of privileged, right? And funny used to be mm-hmm. like the lucky few used to be funny. And then we discovered just how funny everybody is. Right. The internet is funnier than anyone. Like normal people just have a wonderful sense of humor that they get to showcase on social media. So that's the one thing I will do where I'm like, the internet is undefeated and, and social media kind of really showed how funny the internet is. One thing I want to I want to talk, we kind of touched on a little bit too, where you talk about you kind of get the good and the bad, right? The feedback of being a comedian. Mm-hmm. One thing I thought was cool though, was you had a fan make you a custom pair of shoes. Can you talk a little about that? Oh yeah, this guy's name is Puneet and I was in New York and I just done a set at Gotham and I got off stage and this guy came up to me and he's like, hey man, I made you these these custom Air Force Ones that, that you know, because I know you like these this brand called Maggie which are these noodles. I took the packaging of these noodles and, and made you some sneakers. And then a year later when I was shooting my special, I was like, you know, I could go the fancy wardrobe route, but how about I just buy my shirt on Amazon and buy my jeans in a store and I'll contact this guy and have him make some shoes and then they can be the highlight of the show because the rest of my wardrobe is kind of just plain black. And so we did and we paid him and we put him on Netflix and now he's, uh, I think he's going to do some big deals, man. So uh, I'm auctioning off the shoes for charity uh, in a week from now and and it's going to go towards feeding stray dogs in in my city. But yeah, we're going to auction off his shoes as well and I think he'll get a ton more attention then too. That's cool. Like giving somebody else that extra step uh, along with it and using that platform. Um, which I, I mean, what I, I love think... is that he, he he was shooting a shot, right? To wait for a comic yep. outside a comedy uh-huh. club uh-huh. in the cold with a pair of shoes that you made, not knowing if you'd ever even meet the guy. Like, respect, man. If you shoot your shot, respect. You have my attention. Right, absolutely. Yeah, you got to do it. I mean, sometimes you just got to take a chance, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, and, and look, now he's making shoes for, you know, big deals and, and, and changing the game up. So, and by the way, the shoes look really cool. He did a good job. He really did a good job. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be auctioning the shoes off for charity, but I'm sad to be giving them away. Like I'm I know. I was looking at that. I saw you post about that. <laughs> I was like, I bet he's like, oh no, I gotta give away my custom, but it's you know it's for a good cause. So you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, I hate <laughs> having a conscience. This is it's hugely inconvenient. Well, you know, not only is it like you leaving it on the, the comedy stage, right? But you also taking over the small green, small screen in a small green, small screen in aspect. Um, but when you talk about like the dramedies, Whiskey Cavalier, um, you've done some, you know, scripted thrillers on Netflix. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest difference for you? I guess, um, does, is one feed you more than another? Does, is one, you know, I, I mean, it's a, like a creative format, um, where you get to kind of explore with one of the other, are they both kind of similar? I know. I, I mean, they, they use completely opposite sides of your brain, right? Like a stand-up is so solo and you're in control of everything. And then when you're acting, it's nice to just give up control and to rely on other people and to collaborate. I can't do too much of either. Like I can't be the, the comic who's on the road like 50 weeks a year talking about airports and hotels. And then I cannot hang out with actors the entire year and talk about protein shakes and intermittent fasting, right? Because <laughs> that would drive me insane too. So I, I, I need like a healthy balance of the two. I think like... Six months of acting and six months of stand-up is my perfect year. All right. So speaking of perfect year, we're coming into the new year, right? Everybody, by the way, I need to make sure everybody knows, go check out Landing. It's on Netflix right now. You know, form all the good opinions, see all the the truth knowledge that uh, Veer's dropping here. It's really cool. Go check it out. So we're coming into the new year, Veer. What is like, what can you talk about that's coming next for you? 
Um, are you working? Um, I, I heard you might be working on a single camera comedy. Is that a, is that true to that? Can you sell anything about that? We're working on that. Yes, it's in development. I, I might star in a rom-com in America as well. I have a series that I just wrapped in India, which I just directed, but which is uh, English and Hindi. So I think that'll be available in America too. And then I'm going to direct something, I think, at the end of the year. So I think that's my run. Oh, I, I like see. it. I like it. So not busy at all. Just Just kind of chilling out. <laughs> Just chilling out. Yeah. <laughs> the way I put it is I've worked very hard to be this exhausted. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep the hard work going, right? Like eventually sometime, someday you'll rest, but just not now. Um, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll rest or I will be made to rest and I'm, I'm okay with either one. Okay. I'm ending on a funny note here. I know we talk about the craziness, right? Of social media, the insaneness going on. I love your Instagram though, by the way. And I, I got to ask you if you will upgrade it from the frozen hand sanitizer that was on there. I mean, personally, I have Olaf on mine, but I just want to double check with you. <laughs> no, I still have my frozen hand sanitizer, but it's frozen too. Uh, oh, okay, 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 okay. I just got so much dopamine from that post where just too many sweet girls were like, keep it. I'm keeping it. Uh, that That's what's <laughs> happened. I've sold out completely. Okay, just I wanted to make sure I got that in for the fans. So we now know he's keeping his frozen hand sanitizer, but it's frozen too, just in case you're wondering. Yes. So I just wanted to get that cleared off before we signed off. Yeah. <laughs> Veer, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. 